0: The question, you know, is free speech being snuffed out with the excuse of trying to rid of hate speech? Kind of seems that way. A committee in Ottawa that has been studying the spread of online hate uh, had a number of conservative writers, including Mark Stein, Lindsay Shepard, there to testify on Tuesday. And the tone was set, I think, pretty early as the Justice Committee decided to move a motion. That would expunge the name and words of the man accused in the Christchurch mosque attack. And, of course, this was in response to conservative Michael Cooper, who read in a section of the manifesto into the record last week. He did so because he was trying to, to make a point. Now, he should have stayed away from the manifesto. Okay, he did not. But he read it to make a point that it was unfair to link conservatives to online hate. But to see politicians in this country, you know, and they're now studying online hate, just simply erase it because they think the words are yucky. I mean, is the kind of stuff that we we would expect in, uh, you know, nineteen eighty four, Orwell. You know, in China, that's where they erase history. In Canada, it's I mean, it's 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 crazy. <laughs> And one of those speaking at this committee was documentarian and National Post contributor John Robson. He joins us now. John, uh, you know from the outside looking in that what we're seeing uh, with the expunging of language at this committee meeting is nothing short of censorship. Can you explain what happened yesterday when this testimony, you know, started off with expunging facts from the record?
1: Well, the first thing they did is demonstrate that they have a very weak grasp of irony. What had happened was that in response to something that a witness had said, linking the alt-right with conservative commentators, uh, one member of the committee read out part of a manifesto of the New Zealand mosque shooter uh, to indicate that he wasn't conservative. And apparently, uh, in part because people felt that neither this man nor his ideas should ever be named, the committee decided that they would remove this testimony from the record. As though it had never been, it went down the memory hole, mm-hmm. which I think is preposterous because, as I reminded the committee in context of Adolf Hitler, what people said after the Second World War was, oh, if only we'd listened to what he was saying. If only we had if a only record. We'd take seriously, <laughs> if only we'd read Mein Kampf and believed that he meant it. Uh, and so here we have a classic example where we have actual evidence of what goes on in the mind of a murderous hater. And in order to combat what appeared to be an inaccurate characterization by a witness, somebody put this on the record, the historical fact that this is what this person claimed to be motivated by, and the committee found it distasteful or inconvenient and erased it. Uh, now, I, I can understand the impulse not to name mass murderers so as not to glorify them. Although even there, the problem is that the sort of people who are going to glorify mass murder are going to know these people's names, mm-hmm. and then if they mention them, we won't know what was just said. So that it strikes me is in itself somewhat perilous. If someone is referring to a mass murderer positively, it seems to me that you want to know that they did it. Uh, but more to the point is that we have clear evidence of what motivated him, and the committee studying online hate, with a view to possibly censoring it, decides. La, la 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 we don't want to hear you we don't want to know what's in there i, I mean it, it it's like with adolf hitler saying well i don't want to know what's in Mein comp it's like gee maybe you're better in case it happens
0: again but you know there are conservatives on that justice committee and they're supposed to be the proponents of free speech even that stuff that offends us and and hurts our feelings and yet they didn't vote against this why
1: Because they're afraid of being trapped and made to look like haters, and they are, I think, for the most part, afraid to defend conservative ideas. This is why conservative parties always end up with liberal platforms. The moment they say something conservative, people say, well, you can't really believe that. and They go, "Oh, oh, no, I can't believe that. Oh. Uh, Well, well, the problem they face is strategically
0: in an election year, you know, they've got to be careful of these so-called wedge issues, which the opposition will try to catch them in. So they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. But at some point, they do have to stand up for something.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you might as well. If you're going to be hanged, you might be hanged for what you do believe. But I don't think they are damned if they do. I think that this is just rank cowardice. If they just stand up and say, this is what we believe, we think the face of evil needs to be recognized, and so we don't think we should expunge it from the record. We think you should all buy a copy of Mein Kampf and read it cover to cover. Uh, We think you should understand how this could possibly appeal to people rethink your adults who can be trusted to handle dangerous ideas and not get burned i think it's amazing how much respect and support they get yeah you know, people always say well you can't advocate conservative ideas so how would you know you haven't tried in 30 years the last one who did it was ronald reagan and of course uh he did do rather well as you recall mm-hmm. uh, you know the Conservative ideas – I mean even look at Brian Mulroney. He ran from the right and won. And there's even the second election, his big issue was free trade, which is a conservative idea, and he won. But then he governed from the left, and he lost. You know, if you want to govern from the left, go join the Liberal Party. They're, they're happy to govern from the left. That's sort of why they exist.
0: Right. And so here you, as well as, you know, Mark Stein, you know, a couple of big names in 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 free speech circles. You had Lindsay Shepard there as well. You go there to add your testimony so that this committee can apparently study and understand hate online. And then you yourselves become ridiculed and, and made fun of because... You know the words and the, and the points you were making were made to sound uh, bizarre and crazy. But really, if you step back from this thing, what really is bizarre and crazy is the fact that they expunge pieces of history because it's it's hurtful.
1: Yeah, and I will say I think the committee listened respectfully, um, uh, and then they did actually. They kind of did a star chamber. They started interrogating Mark Stein and Lindsey Shepherd about things they'd said. Nobody interrogated me. I don't know what I have to do to get arrested in this town. (laughs) But, you know, I came in there and I gave them John Stuart Mill's defense of free speech, which is, in the first place, we permit unfamiliar and unwelcome ideas because they might turn out to be true. We're not infallible, and we don't already know what mistakes we're making, or we wouldn't be making them. The second reason is very important. It's the Dracula effect. It's that sunlight destroys evil. And that if there are dangerous ideas out there, we want to know they're out there and we want to bring them out into the light mm-hmm. and expose them and refute them and ridicule them. We don't want them breathing in the damp and the dark as the Nazis did. There were laws against anti-Semitism in Weimar, Germany. A lot of help that was. Yeah. And it was recently, uh, David Menzies actually did an interview with some guy at the Al-Quds Day rally who was saying, well, yeah, of course you have to execute gays, and uh, of course we're going to have Sharia law. What can you do? You're not having babies, and we are. We're going to get you. And I think if people are talking like that in your country, you want to know they're doing it. Censorship cuts off the rattle. It doesn't drain the fangs. Yeah. And the third thing, very quickly, is if you don't hear truth challenged, it, it's kind of a bumper sticker, stale slogan. If you hear it defended, it becomes a living thing and it informs your conduct
0: right and, and, but your hate might be different than my hate is certainly going to be different than liberal or or NDP hate but to, to further to your point you know we've got this headline in Toronto where you had this Christian group obviously trying to be very provocative by going to the gay village and you know saying things that they know are going to anger people um and, and the guy's arrested meanwhile you we had the Al Quds rally where you have people openly calling for the death of Jews and the eradication of Israel. And for whatever reason, I mean, the hate is selective in this country. That's, I mean, I have big issues with that because I'm not sure, you know, it's, it's the McCarthyism of 2019 where some hate's okay, other hate, not so much.
1: Well, and you don't entrust people with the power of censorship because anybody who thinks, they have sufficient enlightenment, and dispassion to censor speech mustn't be given the opportunity because they will censor speech they don't like, and they will permit speech they do like. And for some reason, on the radar of those in power, death to Jews or, yeah, under Islam we would have to kill homosexuals, isn't alarming in the way that… Homosexuals will go to hell or Muslims are dangerous is alarming to them. And so certain kinds of speech get repressed and other kinds don't. But none of it should be repressed. I mean, right. incitement yeah. to violence, of course, libel, conspiracy, you know, material misrepresentation amounting to fraud, all of these things are illegal and rightly so. But the idea that if someone is spreading hateful ideas, you want to make sure they do it when no one knows about it, this to me is just asking for trouble. That's why it's not because I think neo Nazis might have a point, it's not because I think Islamists might have a point that it's because I think we need to know if they're out there yeah. making converts sure. so we want to save the converts we want to save the haters from themselves as well as save ourselves from them and so you know went to the committee and said you, you I know you're trying to do a good thing here but it's censorship and censorship doesn't work. And I hope that they will give it at least some kind of respectful hearing, although one member of the committee delivered a harangue instead of a question, saying, well, I've had death threats, so you're all wrong. As though death threats weren't already illegal, I thought, you need to get out and debate more because your ideas haven't been tested uh, in vigorous combat. And the, the fundamental bet of the open society is that truth will prevail in a fair fight. And yeah. that's why you don't censor.
0: I am very uncomfortable, though, that this committee is taking place in an election year, because for me, it's way too political. All these parties have an interest in it i don't know if they're going to make their decision based on facts because they're too busy scoring political points and it kind of takes me to something that i wanted to bounce off of you before i let you go is the the adoption by the prime minister of the word genocide and and i'm writing about that earlier in my my show saying you know words matter and and in adopting this language uh in front of this women's group uh, you know now we've got the international community saying oh, let's talk about that genocide, when are you available to investigate? I'm not sure the prime minister understands what he has invited to this country.
1: Well, I mean, the prime minister is, and let's be fair to him, a doofus, right? Uh, (laughs) Fairly obviously so, uh, because the the committee said there's an ongoing genocide. He's the prime minister. That means he's doing it. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing a genocide. (laughs) Sure, of course I am. What are you, nuts? And to me, why doesn't he look say this is a calumny you know 90 percent of canadians are terribly concerned about the state of our aboriginals they're ashamed of the misdeeds of the past they're desperate for some constructive path forward they're not carrying out a genocide it's it's such an insult to the well-meaning canadians frustrated by the poverty and suffering, and all the trouble that afflicts uh, the First Nations in this country. And I think it's an insult from the committee, too. Like, you're you're trying to find reconciliation by telling us we're genocidal? Hello, Heinrich Himmler, how's it going? Well, you know, I must admit I'm feeling kind of irritated. this, this is, and this will have a terrible impact. People are going to say, oh, the heck with that. You call me that. Guess what I'll call you. Sure. It's a disastrous finding. And for the Germans to embrace it, like, oh, yeah, genocide. Cool. Hey, we've got a genocide. We're the best. No. <laughs> and, and it cheapens the Holocaust and the Holomodora and what happened to the Armenians, right? I mean, and people say, oh, you know, the, the Holocaust could be non genocide could be non No, it can't. Well, no, it can't. When you wipe people out, you put them in cattle cars, you gas them, you machine gun them, you starve them. You barrel bomb them. Yeah. I mean, our prime minister is such a frivolous character.
0: But he couldn't, but this is a guy that couldn't condemn or call ISIS genocide. That's why, to me, it's a very dangerous political game uh, to be throwing these words around and not having any continuity. Um, and I'm not sure uh, for the average person, they might say, well, big deal, but I have a feeling now that we're going to have lawyers and international groups now poking around Canada for the next uh, two, three years. And I'm not sure Kretschmer, Martin Mulroney or any other past leaders going to be very happy about that.
1: Well, what about the current, the incumbent prime minister? It's an ongoing genocide. Sure, yeah, yeah. So you know, presumably he's up for arrest. I mean, <laughs> not, I don't think anything much will happen, except that we'll have further resentment. Maybe he'll look good in mm-hmm. because you know these people didn't come back to the center and offer the hand of friendship. They steered off the fringes and started raving about genocide. And then our our political class. And I'd like to hear Andrew Shearer stand up and say, "No, it's not genocide." It's nothing of the sort. The but residential he... schools may have been wrong on balance, but they were well-meaning. And, you know, Sir John A. Macdonald was very concerned that if Aboriginals didn't acquire literacy and other skills for the modern world, they really would disappear. And he was trying to save them, uh, whether he was doing, going about it the right way. His intentions were not malevolent. But Andrew Shear's not going to say that. No. God, no.
0: Not in an election year. Well, John, stay tuned. We'll see where it takes us, but... Uh... I'm not sure it's taken us anywhere good, but thank you very much. Thank you. That is John Robson. You can read him in the National Post on Point on Global News Radio.